Life's tragedies are not meant to always bring about change, but too often they do. Today, we are speaking with a family who lost their son who collapsed with a sudden cardiac arrest in June of 2020. They have been the focus of many media stories, particularly an ESPN Outside the Lines, or titled as In Action Plan, the Matthew Mangine Jr. story. Matthew's story has been the focus of Safer Sidelines, a series of investigative reporters, Stephanie Kuzadem of the Louisville Courier-Journal, which related to the lack of accountability regarding sports safety in Kentucky schools and around the nation. Their one-shot foundation mission is promoting awareness, education, and medical safety measures in all cardiac-related episodes for competitive youth and high school sports. Welcome to the Youth Sports Safety Update podcast, produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program in Jacksonville, Florida. The Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program, or JSMP, is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and injury prevention. The JSMP is also the managing partner of the Florida Alliance of Sports Medicine, or FASMED, which is a statewide coalition of sports medicine physicians who are engaged in promoting the highest level of sports safety throughout education, awareness, and access to medical resources to keep kids safe. I'm your host, Jim Mackey, a certified athletic trainer with over 50 years of experience in a variety of sports healthcare settings. You only get one shot to save a person's life, and the access to an AED and CPR training is an essential life-saving skill we all need to learn. Joining us today on the Youth Sports Safety Update are Matthew and Kim Mangine, who are sharing about their son, Matthew, and the foundation they have created in his honor to better prepare when sudden cardiac arrest occurs. So welcome, Matt and Kim. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And I, I can only empathize with you as this is a difficult topic, but your passion and desire to, to honor Matthew's legacy is, is very commendable. And um, we share with to share with us about uh, Matthew. So tell, tell us a little bit about Matthew and his impact on your family and, and so many people around him in the, in the life and sports community. Jim, again, thank you for having us. Uh, Matthew was one of the most outgoing, friendly kids you would ever meet. He, um, you know, I, one of the best stories I could tell you about how personable he was the day we moved into our house, we pulled up with the moving truck behind us. And as we pulled up, he said, okay, I'm going to go make friends. He was about seven years old and he got out of the car and we didn't see him until about 11 o'clock that night because he was out making new friends in the neighborhood. Um, he, he was the kid that was friends with everybody. You know, he, it's interesting after somebody passes, you start to hear more and more stories that, you know, you wouldn't think that you would hear until a wedding or something like that. But it was very touching to Kim and I to hear some of the stories from his friends just about what kind of kid he was. Um, he was also super competitive at sports. He played football fourth, fifth and sixth grades. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to switch to soccer. And he made a decision to go after club soccer and he went out and tried out, made the team the first try. And after that, he just kept going and advancing level to level. Uh, the last year he was playing an academy level travel team. And, you know, I think we had a, we had a turn. His last tournament was four games that, that weekend before the shutdown for COVID. And, um, you know, those are, Kim and I filmed every one of his games because we love to watch him after the fact. And that's one thing we get to keep with us is we got to, you know, we still have all of his last games uh, that he played. Mm -hmm. Mom, you want to share something about that special young man? 
Uh, he was very driven when it came to sports. He always gave 110%. Um, he had a vision to one day uh, play at the collegiate level. Um, and that's kind of what uh, drove him for his schoolwork too. Um, he knew that that's what he wanted to do. And um, it was funny because he, you know, as Matt talked about, he was uh, didn't know a stranger. Um, he always put others before himself. Um, you know, there was another story that was shared to us with us um, about a, a student that um, he was helping through school, uh, had some struggles and um, he would walk her to school every day or walk her into class every day. And, you know, that's just the kind of, of person he was. And and I think we're trying to live our lives uh, in, in that, um, you know, in his, in his spirit from that standpoint. That's amazing. Sounds like a very, very uh, great young man. And, and you you raised a great son and, um, well, thank you. So you created the One Shot Matthew Mangine Foundation to create awareness and educate the public and improve youth sports safety. Can you share some of your story, how this has progressed and how it's been received? Um, yeah. So we started the uh, One Shot Foundation in March of 2021. It was something that Kim and I started talking about a few months after Matthew had passed of what we wanted to do to honor him. Um, we probably started it a little faster because we wanted to do a golf outing and we got the exact date we wanted. So it moved our timeline up a little bit. So we were a little unprepared at the beginning and, and scrambling to get everything off the ground. We met with a lot of good people um, to help us create, you know, our plan and our vision. Initially, we were thinking about just raising money just for equipment, you know, AEDs, cold tubs, wet bulb globes, uh, medical equipment for schools that, you know, can't even afford tape or, or water coolers. And after a lot of discussions and a lot of planning, we determined that education is the key. You know, you can give all the equipment away, but that doesn't mean you know how to use it. So what we started is, you know, we started, you know, developing an ed education program. We work with, uh, we started at NovaCare Rehabilitation here in Cincinnati and working with all their athletic trainers to develop a pilot program that's really been successful and has expanded out pretty much to most of greater Cincinnati. The nice thing is, is, you know, we started this two years ago, even before January 2nd happened, and now people are, are copying it, which is a good thing. You know, it, we don't have a problem with that, and we want everybody to be prepared in the tri-state area. Um, you know, and and amazingly, in, three, in two years, we're now uh, regional. You know, we have a school we're working with in Columbus, Ohio, and expanding there, and Owensboro, Kentucky reached out to us in an orthopedic group down there. Um, saw our story. It met with us and we did a trip down there and trained them and their athletic trainers are training all of their coaches and student athletes down in Owensboro now. So we're truly regional after just two years, which is amazing to us. That's very, very good. You know, the, those preseason preparation programs are so essential. I was teaching a CPR class to a bunch of coaches the other day and I asked him, okay, not to embarrass anybody, but in the last uh, three to six months, how many of you practiced your emergency action plan? And I'd say out of 20, there were maybe three to five that said yes, you know. So I challenged them to, this has got to be, you've, you've got to be educated. You've got to educate others. You've got to educate your athletes. Um, you may be the only person there, uh, the adult there, but you need to educate your kids so they know what to do when something happens. That So many send their kids off to sports programs with an expectation or desire that they're safe. And this is this a reality? Or what measures should parents uh, take to make it so? I know you've created a youth athlete safety guide, so you might want to talk about that a little bit and um, how that's being received. Um, 
I can't, you know, we can't take credit for uh, the content of it, but um, we've renamed it recently to the Youth Athlete Safety Guide. Um, it's kind of all encompassing um, from the respect that it, you know, it talks about the questions, of course, um, that parents should ask because we want to be an advocate for parents um, at this point. I think that's um, a very important piece of it. Um, but it also, you know, talks about, um, the costs involved um, and, and breaks that down a little bit, um, which Stephanie with the uh, Louisville uh, Journal did a great job with with doing that. And, and a lot of this information comes from that piece that Stephanie did. Yeah, just some of the questions that, you know, parents look at how much playing time is, is my child going to get? Um, are they going to start? Are they going to be on, you know, the top team? Um, and I think that it goes by the wayside that, the most important questions that you should be asking are things such as, you know, where's the, how many AEDs does the school have? Do they have any? Um, where are they? Um, you know, what, what is the emergency action plan? Is there one, um, you know, in the event that my child gets injured, who, who's supposed to do what do, do they have that in place? Um, you know, how long, how often is that EAP updated? Um, uh, and then just, you know, certain things like, uh, do they have athletic trainers? Um, you know, where, what's the closest hospital? What, and just, there's a lot of things. Um, if you take a look at this, it, um, it is on our website at mmjf5.org, but, um, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. And this, this pamphlet has grown just to be all encompassing. And, um, if, if nothing else, it, it will make parents and coaches, um, take a second look at things. No, it's excellently done, and we'll, we'll post it on our show notes, and you, as you said, it's on your website as well. So, you know, we saw DeMar Hamlin, we've seen uh, Bronny James, we've seen Keontae Johnson, we've seen others. Um, there's a great new video, I don't know what I call it, a great new video, but uh, of what sudden cardiac arrest looks like, and by Dr. David Dresner. And we're we're seeing more attention to these high-profile sudden cardiac arrest in the media, but we know they're happening in youth sports all the time. It's the leading cause of, of death in, in youth sports. And so what's the message uh, that, that we can share that uh, you have got to be prepared uh, with CPR training and, and, as I say, access to the AEDs? It's knowing where it's at, but it's are they accessible and can you get them? So what, how, do you drive, how do you keep driving this message home to people? The best thing is to have a good emergency action plan and to practice it. You know, it's, it's here in Kentucky, we changed the law. And part of the, part of the things that we did, we had an emergency action plan requirement on the books, but there was nothing for rehearsals. So we sat down and we looked at everything and we said, look, seasonally, this needs to be practiced, you know, not once a year. If you get all the coaches together over the summer, do you think basketball remembers everything that we, they went over over the summer if we're just doing it once a year? So these are things that need to be rehearsed seasonally and multiple times throughout the year. Emergency action plans aren't just putting something on paper and it's done. It, it's a living, breathing document, needs to be updated continuously, and it needs to be venue specific. You know, if you look at a lot of sports teams, you have to have a on-the-road emergency action plan. You have to have a practice action plan, a game field practice action plan. And if you practice something, you're going to get better at it. So, you know, as we always say, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And if you're always turned on and you're always ready, when that emergency arises, you're 100% prepared to, to deal with that emergency. 
And especially at the youth and the high school levels, let's face it, athletic trainers, even if you have one at your school, cannot be everywhere at all at once. Here's another question. What if it's the athletic trainer that goes down? You know, that's when we talk to a lot of athletic trainers. You need to train the people around you to save your own life. You know, and, and, and that's that's the mindset we try to drill into people is, is if it's you that goes down, have you trained everybody to be prepared for that emergency to save your own life? Exactly. Exactly. The rehearsal, I liked your point about the seasonal rehearsing of that got to be done periodically, you know, tragically, um, shooter awareness plans are practiced all the time. Uh, fire drills are practiced all the time. Why not the EAP? You know, why not the emergency action plan? So it just needs to be done. Um, how would you share with others that, uh, implementing and having the AED and trained personnel be present on every sideline? Why is it, uh, why is it a necessity and not just a luxury? You know, some people will say that some people use the cost involved. I think I've got another question about that later, but you see schools with two helmets, new pads, new this, new that, whatever. And they have not yet made the, let's call it a $5,000 investment in the equipment or the time to educate and prepare uh, for that. And then the cost of a certified athletic trainer, uh, which, um, relatively speaking is 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 uh, can be very valuable and priceless um should an emergency occur that but so we're speaking today on the youth sports safety update with matthew and kim mangine who are sharing about their son matthew and the one-shot foundation they have created in his honor to better prepare when sudden cardiac arrest occurs you know what what do you say to people that say oh we just can't afford that we're a rural school or we're this that or the other we don't have all that money today what what how do you let's debunk that myth i mean the easiest thing to debunk that myth is what's the cost of a life right when you put it in that perspective it doesn't matter what the costs are the fact that you're going to save a life it, it, it you know there is no there's no dollar value that's attached to that and there's a lot of programs out there you know similar to ours we're willing to help any schools that need help with funding with aeds um the biggest thing is is if we're going to help you with an aed or help you with a cold tub, you better be practicing your EAP. And that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, the other thing is we just need to change the laws to force people into making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. Well, you know, Matthew attended a private school, had a certified athletic trainer and several accessible AEDs on campus. Even with that in place, it appeared there were things that were not implemented. So what measures do you believe need to be in place for there to be more successful outcomes, you know, you can talk about policies, procedures, education, practice scenarios. We seem to be drilling these points over and over again, but you, you can't drill them enough. And even when you think you've got the perfect scenario, you really don't have the perfect scenario. Is that correct? Or how, how can you just continue to push that? hundred percent correct. Um, you know, there, there, there was a certified athletic trainer at the school, multiple, uh, multiple AEDs. I think the closest one was 250 feet away that wasn't on the emergency action plan and behind a locked door. You know, we, we've gone over multiple times about education, right? We, none of us got good at our jobs by just doing something once, you know, or, or even just talking about it. But if you can actually simulate a collapse, if you can simulate a heat stroke, if you can simulate even a broken leg, you know, who's calling 911, who's getting the air cast, you know, not everything is a three minute emergency. You know, in a heat-related illness, you have more minutes than the three. And, and it's interesting that 
emergency action plans are all encompassing for all major, you know, injuries. And where do 64% of all injuries occur where? At practice, when we're least turned on to it, right? And mm-hmm. we saw January 2nd with DeMar Hamlin. That was a game situation. Probably better than even in a hospital. There was more medical <sighs> to help him. And that's the thing. Those guys trained for that moment, and we see what the results are. Bronny James is another good example. You know, you're at a Division One football or basketball program where there's an athletic trainer there 24-7, and those kids are, are cared for at a different level. We just need to get that level of care to high schools and to youth sports. Exactly. We cannot say that enough in that. So uh, many foundations have, have generated individually um, by parents who've lost their children due to sudden death, heat stroke, or other catastrophic situations. Some are very preventable if plans would have been properly implemented. You've been able to partner on a national level with several organizations and other families. Uh, now you went to Washington, D.C. recently. And uh, so share some about that and how you believe we can address uh, sudden death in athletics. And we're talking about sudden cardiac arrest, heat stroke, sickle cell, head injury, which are probably the leading four, and bring them together. How can we bring these groups together in a collaborative effort uh, and not not that anybody's trying to operate in a silo, but you've you've got to get that collective message out there. Um, so what, what's, what's your vision and how do you see that working? You know, we have been connected to a lot of great organizations throughout the country. Parent Heart Watch is, is a national organization that's tried to bring a lot of foundations together. Um, we're, we're a part of that family now. And, you know, I've gotten to meet a lot of, I mean, fl- from Florida to, uh, Maryland, um, to Indiana, we're, we're connected to a lot more people nationally, California. And we, we are trying to get all these groups together to just, that's the only way we're going to be successful, right? Right now you're looking at our foundation. It's me and Kim and, and, and one other person, our executive director, Patrice, you know, we're just three people. We can only handle so much. Um, and that, and that's something that we have to do a better job at. You know, since day one, uh, Marty McNair and the Jordan McNair Foundation have been integral. You know, Marty and I have become close friends, and he's the one who helped us get to where we are today because he'd, he'd been there, done that, and he had a two-year head start on us. So he was able to help us skip some steps to get to where we are it, it, as fast as we are, and we still have a long way to go. Um, you know, partnerships with the American Heart Association, the Red Cross, you know, we all need to be pulling that chain in the right direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know uh, who we play for was another organization we work with down here and uh, do, do a lot of cardiac screening. And, you know, we've we've sometimes that's controversial, cardiac screening, but at the same time, it's very beneficial. And again, one life saved is makes a big difference in that. So, uh, Kim, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to add? Um, just just to say, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's across the board. Um, coaches, um, school administrators, parents um, ask questions. Um, and-, and we're flooded, flooded with information um, of about everything on a daily basis. And we need to parse it out. And remember when we're in an athletic field, we need to be thinking sports safety and, and what is my kid, excuse, excuse me, is my child protected? Uh, are the plans in place? Um, we all like winning, but we all like going home together at the end of the day. And uh, we've got to do those things to do what we can do to prevent, but uh, be prepared. I, th- I think one of the 
quotes by Denny Kellington, the athletic trainer who uh, initially saw DeMar Hamlin was, I was ready. And that's a message we've got to preach, you know, am I ready for these situations? And when they do occur, and as I tell many athletic trainers that I've been in these situations, you know, you just do it and then you, you'll decompress later on. You'll, you'll, your adrenaline will wear off and, but know what to do, do it, and then be prepared. Uh, Matthew, any other messages you'd like to, to share as we move on here? I mean, the biggest lesson is, is don't assume anything and parents are the driving force. You know, as we say, it takes one passionate parent at every program to change that program completely around. The loudest voice in the the squeakiest wheel always gets the oil. So that, <laughs> was that, 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 that parent can make a lot of change that they don't realize the power they have. I was I was thinking that same analogy and it's not you're not that parent, but you're you are that parent that needs to speak up and to to say things. And um, they have a phrase over in England, see it, say it, sort it. You know, so if you see something or if you don't see something, you need to say something about it and you need to get it sorted out as quickly as possible. I think some of our key takeaways today are one, uh, be prepared learn CPR skills. It's even if it's just hands-on CPR compressions, learn it, learn how to do it. It's not that hard. Learn to recognize it. Somebody collapses, suddenly eyes roll back in their head. They may or may not be breathing. They're unresponsive. They may have seizure-like activities. Um, Have an emergency action plan, venue specific, and rehearse it seasonally. And then know where AEDs are at and then make sure they are accessible. We talk a lot about this. You know, it's one thing to know where it's at. It's another thing to make sure it's accessible. And within that one to three minute window, every minute you delay, you take 10% off that person's chance of survivability. Just thank you very, very much. Um, I appreciate your time and and efforts uh, in what you're doing and to really sustain Matthew's legacy. And uh, he's a, a, I don't like talking about him in a third person. He is a wonderful child. So thank you, Matt and Kim, for joining us today. We wish you the very best in your healing as you continue to honor Matthew and strive to build awareness of sudden cardiac arrest and measures that can be implemented to save lives in the future. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's episode of the Youth Sports Safety Update. Our mission is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and injury prevention. Guests to the show are stakeholders in youth sports safety. Views and conclusions expressed in this program are those of the guests and not necessarily those of the employees, administration, or associated staff of JSMP, and does not imply an endorsement of any product, service, or opinion discussed. All material presented in this program is provided for information only and should not be construed as professional advice. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program or FASMED is strictly prohibited. For more information and access to important resources on youth sports safety, visit our website at jaxsmp.com, as well as our show notes. The Youth Sports Safety Update is a production of the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program. Your host and producer today is Jim Mackey. Please join us again. Stay safe, and thank you very much.